Anybody feel like that? Anybody feel like that? Any college kids feel like that lately? It's all, here goes nothing, man. Excited. Over the next few weeks, next three weeks, we're going to be talking back to school and just very practical uh, stories from the Bible that you've heard before, but just very practical ways that will engage and encourage our faith. I'm super excited. So today we're going to be talking uh, out of 1 Samuel 17. Uh, it's a real familiar story of David and Goliath, and I am super pumped to share with you today. I'm going to read three verses. Uh, we'll start in verse 37 of 1 Samuel 17. Here's what it says. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. And then David talking to Goliath in verse 46 and 47, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Come on, somebody. And I will give you the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hand. Come on, somebody. <laughs> We're going to be talking today. A uh, real simple thought called participate to pass. Anybody remember uh, when you're in school and you had those classes that were just participation? Anybody like PE? Anybody remember PE in school? Uh, I, I loved, anybody love PE in school? I loved PE in school. It was my favorite um, because there were no tests and the tests that you had to take were dodgeball. And if it didn't matter if you got out or not, if you just were on, if you were in the game, you're gonna pass. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love those those classes that literally the teachers like. Look, if you show up, you are gonna get an A. Come on, somebody. If you complete the assignment, I'm gonna pass you. My brother actually was he was going. Um, this doesn't matter, and I probably shouldn't say this online. But um, he was when he was at University of Illinois. He went to play football, and um, Chicago, the Bears were redoing their stadium, so all the players. They were, they, the Bears were playing at Champaign, where my brother was playing on it for University of Illinois. And um, so all the players got free Bears tickets. So he was taking, I think, Swahili um, for a foreign language. And he worked it out with the instructor. If he'd give him Bears ticket, he would get an A. Come on, somebody. And so that's what happened. He passed. Um, but I remember those classes that literally... If, if you participated, if you showed up, it didn't matter how good you were or how bad you were. It wasn't if you were fast or slow. It wasn't if, if you got out or didn't get out and kickball. But literally, if you showed up and if you participated in the activity, you were going to get uh, an A and you were going to move on to the next grade. And a lot of guys, when we start talking about faith, it's so true that faith is a participate to pass type of thing. All right, so you have David in this setting of scripture. David is, he's been anointed king. In 1 Samuel 15, Samuel shows up and walks in the room and he sees Eliab. Eliab's big and buff and ripped. And he's like, okay, this has got to be the king. And God's like, nah, it's not him. And he moves all the way down the road and they go through all seven of, of, of Jesse's kids and none of them are king. None of them are the right one. And so Samuel's like, look, y'all, I know God told me to come here. So where's, where's this other kid at? We're missing somebody. And Jesse says, well, there's another boy in the field, uh, but he don't smell real good because he's been uh, with the sheep all day. Come on, somebody. You know, it's not good for him. And they said, Samuel said, well, go get him. I ain't moving until you do. So they go get uh, David and Samuel looks at him and says, wow. This is the one, and they anoint, they anoint uh, David to be king over Israel, the next king over all of Israel. And guess what happens next? Samuel says, now go to the palace and sit in the throne that is rightly your... That's 
Can you hear me? Give me a I preach too many times. I need another mic. It's going to die again. I preach too many times on a Sunday uh, to not use a mic. Amen, somebody. Come on, come on. I'm on. Come on, somebody. All right. Oh, there we go. Okay. There we go. There we go. David, they said, David got anointed king and the king. And then in that moment, Jesse, his dad said, oh, you're the king. You get to go to the palace now. Go do your thing. That's not what happened. Jesse said, okay, good job. Now go take care of the sheep. (laughs) Go back out in the field. And I think it's so true, y'all, for so many of us. Like we feel that God wants to do something bigger in us. And we know that he wants to use us in a greater capacity. But the the reality is we have to be faithful with what he's put in front of us. Come on, somebody. We have to be faithful with what he's given in our hand. And when we're faithful with what he's given us, we can then pass into the next season of life. Listen, if he couldn't be a good shepherd, he would never make it to be a good king. So if we're going to move to the next areas of life regarding faith, if we're going to move to the next things that God has called us to do, guys, the reality is we have to participate in faith, with faith in what God's called us to do. You have David. (laughs) David is, uh, he's taking care of the sheep and war breaks out with Israel and Philistine. And it's, excuse me, it's crazy and the war's going on and David walks in and Jesse goes, hey, David, here's here's what you finna do. I want you to take uh, these cheese and crackers, and I want you to take these to your brothers and to the commanders of the army. Now, imagine, y'all, imagine you are supposed to be the next boss. You're supposed to be the next king, guys. Like, you are way up on, like, how many of you would feel like, are you kidding me? You're asking me, I'm supposed to be the king, and now you're asking me to be Uber Eats. Like, come on, somebody. Like, 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 I'm supposed to be it right now, and you're asking me to be the pizza delivery boy like I listen I'm not wrong with pizza delivery boy I'm just saying I'm supposed to own the company not supposed to deliver the pizza like I'm supposed to be in charge and you asking me to do a menial task that is irre- like, da- like David had every reason in this moment to look at his dad and say don't you understand who you're talking to how many of y'all would say to your dad if you would we had a different dad <laughs> my dad would say Oh, I understand fully. (laughs) I think you have forgotten (laughs) who you were talking. (laughs) David had, he could have been like, don't you understand who I am? But David didn't. I love this, guys, because David is teaching us a principle at the very beginning of this story. Something very simple. And here it is, to participate in the ordinary. Notice, he said, notice David understood, I'm going to be the king of all of this stuff. I'm going to be in charge of it all. But the reality is, that doesn't matter if I can't do what is ordinary. If I can't handle what God's put in front of me, I will never walk into the fullness of where he's calling me. But see, the problem is, for a lot of us, we so want the next thing that we quit handling what's in front of us today. Like, like for a lot of us, like, like we're going, well, this is just beneath me. Like, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And David's going, listen, I know I'm supposed to be king, but I'm not king yet. So what's in front of me is delivering cheese and crackers. So give me the cheese and crackers. I, I love this setting of scripture because <laughs> David understood like God has, f- has so much more for me. But if I'm not willing to participate in the ordinary, how can I ever participate in the extraordinary? 
See, the truth is, guys, for a lot of us, we start, we, now let's move this to a faith, a faith place, right? So we see someone that's got, man, man, given like six months to live, and it's a, a tragic situation. Here's what we say. We say, well, I'll be praying for you, right? And that's good. But the problem is, if we can't believe God, if we don't have faith for ordinary life situations, how are we ever going to have faith for supernatural or extraordinary life situations? Here's my point. If we can't believe God for a good parking place, listen, y'all keep walking from the back of the parking lot. I drive my big old truck and I'm like, Jesus, I need a spot today. It's 112 degrees. I wear jeans all I ain't trying to walk all the way into the mall. I need you to hook me up today. And I got a big truck, so I need a big spot, maybe two. I'll take them both. Come on, somebody. Here's the reality, guys. I know that's so silly, but if we can't learn to believe God for ordinary, everyday things, how are we, if we can't believe God's going to give us peace today, how are we ever going to believe when we're facing Goliath tomorrow? Come on, somebody. See, David didn't know what he was about to face. He knew he had to handle the ordinary today. I love this setting of scripture, man. David is like, y'all, I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to stay hungry. I love this setting of scripture because David's like, he had every reason to be haughty and to be arrogant, but he stayed humble. He kept his attitude in check. How many of us, sometimes in our life, we struggle to keep our attitude in check? Yeah, that's right. Some of us are honest and some of us are just lying. Come on, somebody. Like, <laughs> this wife was like, him, it's him, definitely him. <laughs> it's so true though right like like for a lot of us it's really hard when we get asked to do things that we feel like are beneath us to keep our attitude right because remember our attitude affects our altitude and it affects where we're going and if we can't handle our attitude right with the right perspective how many y'all know we may never get to do the next thing you know what it says next it says David got up early he didn't waste time in this setting of scripture in 1 Samuel 17, it says David woke up early because there's no time in the kingdom of God for delayed obedience. I wonder how many of us are circling, we're cycling around the same problem, the same mountain saying, God, I wish you'd move. God, I wish you'd move. We're singing the song. This is a move. God, I need you to do something. God, I'm waiting on you. God, I'm asking you. And God's going, I done gave you the answer four months ago. But the problem is, you ain't trying to step in the ordinary. Come on, somebody. You ain't trying to do something that's right in front of you. And if you can't do what's right in front of you, you'll never get where I've called you to go. See, the reality is David understood nothing was going to change in his situation if he didn't take the next step. So he got up early. He got up early and he went to work. Come on, somebody. He got up early and he did what was in front of him. We have to participate to pass. Verse 22, if you're taking notes, says he shows up. Now imagine you've got your pizza because you're Uber Eats or your McDonald's or whatever you've got. McDowell's, come on, somebody coming to America. He's got his stuff. And <laughs> he's got his stuff and he's walking up and he's, he sees the battle. He sees Goliath and the, the, the war machine that is Philistine and the Israel in the Valley of Elah. He's got his, he's got his Uber Eats and he's walking up and he sees what's going on and he see I think it's fascinating because he sees Goliath shouting but he sees Israel in their tent he sees Goliath coming down for a fight but 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 he sees Israel in their tent 
afraid to come out of hiding. And I begin to think how often in our life are we afraid, not of what is happening, but we're afraid of what someone says is happening. Come on. We're not afraid of what we're truly facing, but we're afraid of what the enemy is saying about us or saying about our future or saying about grace in our life or saying about our, our, our lives or saying about our marriage or our children. I love this setting of scripture, guys, because so many of us were hiding in our tent, the very place that God's called us to come out of, not because of what's happening, but because of what could happen. What if you step out? David walks up and it says he's got his baggage. Verse 22, it says he left his baggage in care of the baggage keeper. Now I've preached this a hundred times. It's one of my favorite verses. Verse 22 is, might be my favorite verse in 1 Samuel 17. Because I begin to think how many of us, God's called us to leave our baggage, but we spend a lot more time filling it. David understood, listen, I'm, I'm fixing to go to war potentially. And, and if I'm going to fight Goliath, and if I'm going to fight this adversary, if I'm going to fight, if I'm going to win today, if I am going to proceed into the next area of life, I cannot win, I cannot fight if my hands are full of baggage. Come on, somebody in the house. Because see, the problem is we're called to leave our baggage in care of the Holy Spirit. That's the baggage carry. He says this in Matthew, cast your cares upon me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. But here's what we do. We spend most of our time filling our baggage with issues, filling our baggage with hurt, filling our bags with offense, filling our bags with frustration, filling our bags with hobbies and with busyness. Now, here's the thing, guys. Those aren't all bad. But then we go to war or something happens in our life that catches us off guard and, and, and we get a bad report or, or a relationship struggle or a, or a bill that we weren't expecting. Something bad happens. Let me see your Bible. Something bad happens, guys. And we wake up and we realize our bag is full of everything except him. See, my bag, I, in my bag, I'm working on my marriage. In, in my bag, I'm, I'm counseling people and I'm trying to give vision for the hill. And in my bag, I'm, we're sharing Jesus all around the world. And, and, and I'm filling my bag with, with effort. And I'm filling my bag with work. And I'm filling my bag grinding. And I'm filling my bag with everything I know to do. But what happens is sometimes halfway through the week, I'm getting my butt kicked by the enemy. Anybody know what I'm saying today? And I wake up and I'm like, man, I, I've been going through hell this week and I'm losing. And I start looking in my bag. Come on, somebody. And I got everything except him. And then I'm shocked. And then I'm shocked that I lose. I'm surprised. And God's going, man, can I help you now? Give me your bag. You're putting stuff in your bag. I didn't want you to carry that thing. Because you can't fight if your hands are full. You can't fight if your hands are full and you're, you're holding on somebody to something that happened 10, 10 years ago. Someone did something and they wronged you and they're not even alive anymore, but you're still holding on to that thing. And God's going, I just want you to let it go and give me your bag. I was in India. Um, the first time I went to India, <clears throat> I was I'd been on like a 26 hour flight because that's what you do, apparently. <laughs> I get to the hotel, I'm tired, I'm hangry, ready to not be on an airplane. I got my backpack, 
I put my suitcase on the, they have checked everything through this like conveyor belt at every hotel. I got my, my bag and this little Indian guy walks up to me and goes, give me your bag, sir. I was like, I don't know you. <clears throat> you say you work at the hotel, I don't even believe you. You know what I mean? Like, I, you may be trying to steal my bag. I don't know who you are. I don't know you. He says, no, I work for the hotel. Let me, I'll carry your bag. And I'm like, no, I know you just want my money. Come on, somebody. Like, I know what's going on here. I can carry my own bag. I don't need nobody to carry my bag. I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not bougie like that. I'll carry my own stuff. Anybody know what I'm saying? I don't need someone to carry. I don't, I do it myself. I'm good. I'm capable. And this dude, this little Indian guy, grabs my bag and pulls it. I said, oh, yeah. Take my bag. Hey, please, sir, I need your bag. He pulls it. I said, I swear, bro, we're going to roll. I'm going to jail in Delhi. There's 25 million people in this city. I am for, get my bag. And so we go back and forth, and it's like this, and I'm yanking, he's yanking. And I finally, I'm, the Lord speaks to my heart and shows me something. As we're fighting over my, as we're about to tear my bag, we're yanking over this thing. And, and the Lord spoke something to me. And he's like, you're tired, and you're trying to get in that hotel to find rest. But as long as you're carrying your bag, you will never enter into rest. And I begin to think about a lot of us and how we carry in hurt, and we carry in all the stuff and we're saying God when can I find rest when can I get a breath God I need a victory God I need a move and he's going I want to bring it to you but as long as you're carrying your bag you can't go in can't go in so I gave him my bag now I watched him I still didn't trust him I watched him make sure it got all the way into that hotel <laughs> I was worried kind of that at the airport, someone um, really not being mean, but like I'm in another country and they're checking everything for bombs. And I'm like, man, someone slipped something. I'm going to prison. Like, it's kind of, got to let go of our bags. I love this, guys, because David understood if he was going to fight Goliath, if he was going to move to the next season that God had called him to, to move to, he had to, he had to be, uh, he had to participate in the ordinary do what's in front of him, even if it seemed menial. And then he had to participate in the practical. He had to let go of some stuff if he was going to hold the next thing God was trying to get him. See, we have to participate in the ordinary. But equally so, we have to participate in the practical. See, sometimes we feel like the things of God, and they are. They're supernatural and they're incredible. But sometimes they're very practical. Sometimes they're very simple. And we overthink what God's trying to do. And David, in this setting of scripture, he's just stepping where God called him to step. He's just moving as God called him to move. And he moved. He participated in the ordinary. And as he participated in the ordinary, he had an opportunity to let go of some stuff that was weighing him down that would cost him the fight. So he began to participate in the practical. He left his bags. Begin to... Again, think how many of us are just afraid to let go of some stuff. We have to participate in the practical. David walks up. <laughs> He's got his Uber Eats trying to find his brothers. He's, and then he starts hearing. He sees this ugly giant talking bad about God. And he says, what's going to happen to whoever beats him? And, and, and they said, listen, you get the king. They named the king's daughter. And, and it was the pretty one. And he said, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I get to marry the king's daughter? Bet. Let's do this. You know what I mean? And they're like, well, that's not all. Wait, there's more. You also get to be rich. 
And he's like, well, I don't, I'm 13. Well, what does that mean? A pretty girl makes me rich. Come on, somebody. And he said, and he said, but not only that, but you also ain't got to pay taxes. And he goes, I even do that. My dad handles that. Come on, somebody. And, and nevertheless, he walks around to someone else and he says, what's going to happen to uh, whoever kills this giant? But what's going to happen to him and his family? And they said, dude, you're going to get to marry this pretty, this pretty girl and, and you're going to be made wealthy and you're never going to have to pay taxes again. So he started asking around and pretty soon his oldest brother Eliab overhears him. And he's like, David, why, man, what are you, why are you even here for? You just came to see the bloodshed. David, why are you even here? You're just coming to, to watch it go down. You're just coming to see war. David, you're such a, you're in the middle of everything. David, why are you so nosy? Dave, like his brothers start hating on David and all he's doing is asking a little question. Now, in back to school, in, in, in the back to school area right now in our series, we would be calling him a brown noser or a teacher's pet. We'd be saying, oh, here he goes again, just trying to get favor from the teacher. Oh, look at him go. Oh, David asking all, oh, David's trying to get popular. Oh, David, look at that. This is what Eliab's doing. Oh, David, I'm just, David's trying to, trying to be, he's trying to get up high. He's trying to be in charge of it. This is what they're doing to David. And I begin to think about this in the spirit. The Lord begin to speak to my heart. And I begin to think about how as you participate with God, not everybody's going to be excited about your progress. You're going to have people in your life as you get the position or as you get the, 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 the whatever's next, as you, get the, as you get the relationship or as you get pregnant, people that aren't pregnant, they're, they're going to, they may act excited, but they're not always excited about your progress. Begin to take me back to running sprints. Now listen, I wasn't always the fine specimen you see before you, but I never... Like when the coach was like, all right, let's do gassers or suicides. I never was like, yes, my favorite part. I was like, oh, my ankle coach. That's what are the odds of that? Right at sprints every week. I don't even <laughs> like, like for real, like for real. Like when we were running sprints, like I, I never just run, ran for fun. But then you have those people on your team that played that like they just never wore out. <laughs> like they did. They, they were cross country runners and they just ran all the time. They were crossfitters and they just all the time were running and smiling while they did it. And I'm puking. I got puking my hair. How does it even happen? I shave my head. How's that even a thing? But apparently it is. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, like real talk, real talk. I hated them. And so I'm running my suicides and we're all running our suicides. And you have that one guy that was like seven steps ahead of you. And you're like, look, if you don't slow down, we're going to thump you in the locker room and put your head in that toilet. I have my issues. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> like for real. Like, like we were like, slow down, man. You're making the rest of us look bad. You're and I begin to think about that story <laughs> and David and how David's like, man, why isn't someone doing something? And Eliab's like, oh, David, man, you're just trying. You're a teacher's pet. Da, da, da. And I begin to think if everyone is not excited about your progress, the reality is it's not that they're upset with where you're at. It's that they have no motivation to get there. So it's not that they're jealous as much as they are convicted. Because you're here. And they're saying, they're, they're looking at you saying, man, you ain't got to go to church every week. You ain't got to tithe. Like, man, nah, man, I don't even trust that place. Come on, it's getting quiet. You ain't got to read your Bible, man. Like, nah, man, like, I'm, I, man, I'm saved too. Y'all heard it? Y'all heard it? 
I am too. But then I was thinking about Jesus. And he looked at the lame man. He said, pick up your mat and go to church once a month. He said, pick up your mat and follow me. Pick up your mat and be a disciple. Pick up your mat and participate in the process. See, as you're participating in the process of faith, flowing with God, there's people that aren't doing that. And they watch you and they're convicted by your lifestyle. So versus changing the lethargy they feel in and of themselves, they just try to bring you down two notches. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there? I've been there so many times in my life. And I've, I've been on both ends of that in different, different capacities. David, and I love David's response, and I love the way he says in the King James Version. David looks at his older brother, and he says this, Is there not a cause? He said, Is there not a reason? You're hiding in your tent. And you're upset that I'm asking what can be done? I ain't even done nothing yet. Even my questions tick you off. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Even my, sometimes your ambition, not even what you've done, but just your ambition will make people uncomfortable. And that's okay. Keep participating. Sometimes as you're participating in your faith, it's lonely. But it doesn't mean you're alone. It just feels lonely. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one that gets it in the room. That's why the Bible says get around like-minded people. Guys, this faith walk is going to require some participation if you're going to pass. Saul hears about David. <laughs> he looks at David and he's like, all right, David, uh, let's talk. I've been hearing that you, maybe you're going to try to fight this giant. And I'm looking at you. And that dude nine foot tall with a big old spear and sword. And I thought maybe you'd have some kind of biceps. I thought you'd have some kind of pecs or something like like, man, you scrawny, David. You mean, you're a 13, 15-year-old redheaded kid. Like, I thought maybe, possibly, you would have some kind of muscular definition. And I love what David responds. David looks at it and says, and this is what we, we read in verse 37. David says, well, when the lion came, I fought the lion and I killed him. And when the bear came, I, I grabbed him by the fur and I killed him too. See, David was telling Samuel what David was telling Samuel what God had done. But David was reminding Samuel, it was reminding himself, if God did it before, he can do it again. He was, he was, telling, he was telling Saul, but he was reminding himself, if God delivered me from the lion, God Goliath ain't nothing. If God delivered me from the bear, then the next thing, it ain't nothing. He reminded, he was telling Saul for the first time, but he was reminding himself the last time he participated, he passed. He passed. Sometimes it's more about participation. Sometimes it's more about faithfulness than talent. How many business owners and managers in the house, you hire some with less talent, but they're more faithful. Don't call in sick. And you calling in sick, wondering why they got the promotion. It's quiet. <laughs> Didn't mean to make it this awkward today. Thought you might shout a little more. <laughs> David looks at Saul, or Saul looks at David. <clears throat> he says, oh God, man, look at this kid. Okay, here, grab my, grab my sword. 
Grab my, grab my, my spear, put on my helmet, put on my, my armor. <laughs> David, David tries to walk around in Saul's big armor and David can't figure it out, man. David walks up and he goes, look, I can't fight like this because I'm not used to it. David was saying, I understand I'm in the right battle, but this is the wrong armor. Because see, David understood, I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers in high places. And although it may be a physical person that is assailing me, I also know that it could be a demonic assignment behind it trying to distract me from where God's called me to go or what God's called me to do. I love this setting of scripture, guys, because David, he's practical, guys. He's faithful and he's participating in the ordinary and he's looking at Saul and he's like, I can't operate the way it makes sense to you. I have to do what God's called me to do. We were in Flint, Michigan. I was preaching in Flint, Michigan last weekend. We get on an airline. I'm not going to say what it was, um, but I would say blank, we stand and divided, we fall. Um, <laughs> and, and we get on the airline at eight in the morning, right? Supposed to fly out at 730. I think we get on the, the we get on the flight and get on the plane at eight in the morning. And, and we're sitting there. We sit there for like 45 minutes and the captain comes over the radio. We're experiencing some difficulty. We're going to go ahead and, uh, get you off the plane and hang out for a little bit while we get this fixed. It's like four and a half hours later, I'm still in the lobby. I'm hungry. I'm in line for two and a half hours. Uh, I talked to the, the little lady behind the desk. She was awesome. We talked about Jesus. We really did. She goes to James River and Southside. We had a good talk. <laughs> or West, we had a good talk. And so we're chatting together, her and I. And um, she's obviously, everyone's up there cussing her out because they're missing stuff. And by the way, I missed the event I was supposed to be at Friday night. Um, so that was unfortunate. And so I'm talking to her and it was so crazy because in that moment I realized I'm not having issues with her. The enemy trying to do some stuff. And I can't change what he's trying to do necessarily, but I don't have to treat her bad just because I'm experiencing difficulty. And everyone else, she said, I'll do what I can do. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Have a good day. But this old boy got lunch paid for by United. Come on, somebody. Can I buy your lunch today? I offered to buy her a coffee. She said, you've had a long day. Can I buy you a coffee? She goes, no, but I'll buy your lunch. I said, deal. <laughs> David was like, I, I got to fight this battle the right way. I got to fight this battle the right way. I love when I was, so I was little growing up. Um, my freshman year, I was probably like 5'5 five, five and maybe 105 pounds. Um, I was itty bitty. And uh, my brother was, he was a D1 linebacker. Um, he was 6'3", 240. He was playing fullback on offense and I was playing safety on defense. And he comes breaking through the line. And remember little giants when the D-backs running like this, trying to get away? That was me. I was like, oh gosh, this dude's going to kill me. And he's chasing me down the field, kind of like that. And he's running at me and he's coming right at me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I think my will is in place. <laughs> I'm looking at him and no joke. I dive right. I think I can't hit him high because I'll die. I dive right at his knees. And, he, and I'm thinking maybe if I hit him at his ankles, he'll trip and fall over me and I'll tackle him and practice. And so he's coming at me. I dive at his ankles. He trips and falls over me and rolls. He gets up and he's mad at me. He takes the football and he spikes it at my feet. And he goes, don't hit me low. I said, I ain't hitting you high. 
David, David said, I can't fight him with the sword because if I get close to him, he's bigger and stronger. I can't, I'm going to grab a sling. Come on, somebody. I'm going to grab a sling and I'm going to grab a stone and he can say what he wants from there. And if I fight his way, I can't make it. But I know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I'm going to grab this stone. I'm going to grab this sling. I'm going to And it wouldn't have mattered, y'all, which way he would have thought. He could have thrown that thing the wrong way. But because he was participating in faith with the presence of God, that mug would have done one of those come back around and hit Goliath right in the head and killed him. David's like, so I can't fight your way. I heard from heaven. Heaven didn't give me a sword. Heaven gave me a sling. Maybe, maybe you're devaluing the things heaven's given you. Thinking, what is this for? And God's like, this is for your freedom. This is for your freedom. Worship team, come help me. (laughs) He walks down, verse 46 and 47. You can throw that up there. I love this. Goliath looks at him and says, am I a dog? Am I a dog that you're fighting me with sticks and stones? You're sending a kid? Am I a dog? This is what Goliath says. He said, Goliath said, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air. And David, David had the best comeback of all time back to school. David said, oh yeah, I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) David's comeback game wasn't on point. (laughs) David said, oh yeah, God's going to do that same thing to you. (laughs) That's what he says. I really was like, oh man, David, you could have done better there. David's like, no, you missed it, Pastor Bo. Because see, I ain't got to be clever with speech. Because the kingdom of God is not of talk, but it's of power. So if I'm going to be faithful with the ordinary, I'll have an opportunity to be faithful with the practical. And as I'm faithful with the practical, can I tell you, I'll have an opportunity to participate in his power. And as I participate in his power, all of a sudden, the supernatural things of God begin to go. All of a sudden, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. All of a sudden, peace is with me. Joy is my strength. All of a sudden, courage rises up in me as I begin to participate. As I begin to participate, I pass. I pass. I begin to think how many of us were struggling, circling the same old mountain. It's not that we don't love God, because we do. But we're cycling around the same old stuff. It's not that we don't love him, but it's because we've yet to participate with him. Faith, faith, faith is participate to pass. If you participate, if you participate, you pass.
It's David's bloodline, y'all. 